0: Welcome to Gone Fishing, a show diving into the cybersecurity threats that surround our highly connected lives. Human vulnerability is almost completely ignored in the security awareness space. But why is that? Every human is different. Every person has unique vulnerabilities that expose them to potentially successful social engineering. It's time to change the focus and bring it back to the human factor. On this show, we'll discuss human vulnerability and how it relates to unique individuals, Assessing the constantly evolving human risk is how we make our company safer and more secure. I'm Connor Swalm, CEO of FinSecurity, and welcome to Gone Fishing. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Gone Fishing. I'm your host, Connor, the CEO of FinSecurity, and I'm joined once again by the Senior Product Marketing Manager of SaaS at Offit, one of my great friends, John Harden. John, how are you doing today?
1: I'm good, Connor. I appreciate you having me on. It's a good time to come back. I enjoyed our last session. It was a really good show. So last
0: time we talked uh, on the podcast, we talked about what Shadow IT is, what Shadow SaaS is, why it's important today, uh, what why, why people are even using software and hardware and accounts that their IT team hasn't explicitly given them access to. Today, what I'd love to talk about is what should cybersecurity and IT teams do in response to that? And a key piece here is I'm in the MSP industry serving MSPs, you're in the MSP serving at MSPs. Where do MSPs fit into all this? Because they're managing the shadow IT I guess, on behalf of potentially other IT teams at other companies. So
1: where do MSPs fit into all this? Yes, yeah, so this is a tough part of the problem right now, right? Because the, the shadow IT management and the SaaS management space for MSPs is really brand new. Um, this is something that they haven't been doing for 10, 15 years. Um, but you know what they have been doing for you know, an eternity is really software inventory. I always find it funny. I talk to folks all the time about, you know, that come to me and go, why should I do SaaS management? I go, well, what is your uh, MSP master service agreement say with your customer? Does it say you're managing their software on their behalf? They don't like that question a lot because they realize all of a sudden that uh, they say they're doing this, but the times just really haven't kept up and it's not their fault. That's the key thing. It's really not their fault. But what does MSPs have to do with software management or SaaS management and shadow IT management? The same things they really had to do with software inventory management, right? It's, it's about managing the inventory of assets that are out there where data is at and building a repository list, making sure things are approved and unapproved, making sure there's not bad services in use and that there's not data risks inside those bad services. And I say, just like, you know, you're watching for CBEs on the software that's installed on the desktops, you're watching for bad actions inside of the SaaS tools. Are people logging in with personal accounts, um, you know, work accounts, sharing accounts? Uh, has that vendor been part of a supply chain attack, or, or not a supply chain attack? But have they been hit by a vendor breach, which opens up a supply chain attack internally in the organization? So fundamentally, I think MSBs have the same responsibility for SaaS that they do with their desktop software, which is inventorying it, managing it, working with the customer to ensure that it's part of their conversation that they're having so that it's not just something happening out of the visibility of both the MSP and the end client. There's some tactics I can get into, but I'd be curious what your thoughts are on that, Colin. I think the most important, uh,
0: something we touched on briefly in the last pot in the last episode here was what matters most is visibility. And you yourself said it. It's like most employees who are using these accounts and these devices and these softwares that aren't licensed or aren't given the blessing by the IT team or the department of no doing it out of convenience, not only because it's more convenient for them, because they get their job done better. There's all this pressure from above to create outcomes, not only for the IT team, but also for the employees at at an organization. So I really like the perspective of don't view this completely as a bad thing. What's important is not that there is no shadow IT in existence. What's important is knowing what shadow IT exists, because then you get to decide what to do with it. Uh, I was talking with a friend of mine uh, at a conference recently who I believe they use off-access management. Actually, and they made a statement that's like we had like six productivity tools when we've only bought Monday. dot com. It's like, well, if we've bought Monday for the whole team, why isn't everyone using it? And then they went and they asked, it's like, well, why? Do, what do you like about this? What do you like about this? Why? It's like it opened up the opportunity to have a question about is what software and hardware we're buying not the right move for this organization? Can we be doing better? Which
1: was really oh man, you, you got me. You have me right on the nose because this is my favorite part of the whole thing here. You know, we talked last time about shadow IT isn't inherently good or bad, but my goodness, as an MSP, and I can say this because I spent about 10 years in the MSP space. What a holy grail of opportunity. We have looked for a very long time to come and be strategic with our customers. And we have strategic conversations in different ways. Like, I'm not saying that not everything is strategic, and it doesn't just have to be exclusively SaaS, but what a holy grail of an opportunity to go to your client where today you might be just sending questionnaires or spreadsheets and asking what SaaS they use, but to displace that what question and replace it with a why question. Like, why are you using this? Why do we have six productivity tools? Why are we putting this in there? Why is it better? And I think what really I've seen a lot of success in is embedding um, Shadow IT as a track in the quarterly business review. This is something that took us a while to figure out here at SaaS. So it was like, what do we do with this data? But once we started coaching our MSPs on bringing top 10 shadow IT SaaS down to their customers, it was a eureka moment. Uh, we literally had a partner come up to us at the conference at that Ocon and say word for word. I used to be fearful of going into my QBRs because I'd have nothing interesting to talk about. But my customers want to know about the shadow IT. We want to know about what's going on there. And because SaaS is this, it's this magical like half business, half IT problem, it's something that the Person on the other end of that QBR wants to talk about. Like it's not just another, we secured you from forty nine million five hundred fifty five thousand security events, good for us. It's not another pat on their back. It's a conversation about IT. And in that inherent nature of like shadow IT not being good or bad, go to our partners again to talk about not going, is this approved or not, but just asking one real simple question for all 10 shadow IT assets, whether you use a tool like all access management to do it or not approach that IT like this. What business problem is this solving for you? And then just shut up and let the customer start talking. And you will unlock more about that business and their use of IT and their use of SaaS and those QBRs than you ever have in a spreadsheet or questionnaire.
0: That makes a ton of sense. I, I go back to a statement that I've heard a buddy of ours, Alex Farling, uh, say all the time. He goes, if you show up to a QBR and your statements are essentially, look how many backups I backed up. Look how many anti spams I anti-spammed and look how many firewalls I firewalled it's like you're not telling the customer anything new you're not you're not helping transform their business you're just saying you're giving them thumbs up look at look we did our we did our job essentially we did it poorly because we're not helping you move forward we're just telling you what we did which is yeah that's interesting is hey did you know uh like a really interesting use case I could see is you as the MSP going to the client and saying what you just said which was all right this is what your people are using. This is the use case, like the business use case. This is the outcome they're helping you get that you were completely unaware of. It's like this, what's really important is not that it's happening. It's
1: knowing that it's happening. Oh, sorry, Rob. I I just like, there's a perfect analogy for this. Like everybody of us went to grade school, right? And we remember, you know, we're shooting for the A's. I don't know. I was like a C student, but you know, you got A, B, C, D, F. Why we got rid of E, I still haven't a clue, but A, B, C, D, F. And IT inherently is what I call a CF job. It's it's not a Charlie Foxtrot, which is a good. I mean, it kind of is a Charlie Foxtrot too. But it's a CF job. Like no going to your customer and saying I I firewalled this many firewalls, I backed up this many backups, I did you know X Y Z on this whole track of what you did. That's a C job. Like you're going to get average. Nobody's going to be like, way to go MSP. You did something amazing. You did what you were supposed to do. The only way you don't get a C is by not doing what you just did. But being able to come in and be strategic during your QBR can turn you from a CF type of an MSP to an AC type of an MSP, which means you come in strategically and you wow them and you're getting curious and you're learning about their business and you're talking about how IT isn't a cost center, but a productivity center. Now all of a sudden you have went from a CF MSP to a CA MSP where you can wow your customer and actually get an A+. And they can come to you and go, actually, thank you for doing what you're doing in the IT. And it's a thankless job in general. But being able to flip that script makes a massive difference. Yeah. You go from somebody
0: there giving a report to a trusted advisor who's helping them grow their business, which is that's what's going to keep you in that organization working with those people. Precisely. For for companies and for MSPs that aren't tracking shadow IT, what, what are some of the risks that they're unknowingly retaining by not having this level of visibility into it?
1: It goes down to the cybersecurity matrix or maturity curve, right? Um, at the very front of that maturity curve is identify. And so I always challenge businesses that have all these advanced mechanisms of defense for their customer that have no visibility into SaaS. So what are the risks, you know, the, one of the key predominant risks is all this data sprawl, potential data, ex- accidental data, exfiltration, all this um, non continuous data that's running around in their business that they have no visibility on. So the first risk is for the client, which is the data. Which you're building all these cybersecurity programs to protect. By the way, you just don't see any of this out here. So that's your first risk. Your second risk, I, I kind of joked, but really you are in a bit of a uh, you are in a bit of a risk if your master service agreement says you're doing software inventory. We all know that as an MSP, like our customers just assume we're doing everything anyway, so you might as well be doing it. But I think there's a risk here in the sense that should data lead to a third-party event or supply chain attack risk coming to your business, uh, what's in the risk for you as the MSP is if something happens and you're liable because you weren't protecting what you said you were in your master service agreement, it's actually like real actual business risk to you. But I don't like playing on fun. I think a real risk for the MSP is the fact that, um, you know, SaaS management's the table stake. I refuse to believe that every MSP in three to five years will not be doing SaaS management. It's fundamental. Like you have to be doing it. Everything's moving to the cloud. Everything's moving to SaaS. Like 62% of the time, the employees at work, they're in the browser, and it doesn't matter what ta- what industry you're in—manufacturing, accounting, law—like they're all in the browsers. You got to you got to manage it. It's just a matter of time. But what you're at risk for right now versus just not being up there by the time it gets there: inefficiency, all the time wasted manually documenting this stuff, which is wrong, by the way, because you're not getting the real data. Inefficiency, uh, like think about employee onboard and offboard. Like when you don't even know what they're using, how can you actually you know properly do this? People spend hours trying to gather these lists together. So if you want something that's going to hurt your business now, it's inefficiency. If you want something that's going to hurt your business later, it's probably going to be that fact that you're going to be catching up to the, the majority. If you want to know something that puts you at risk, it's this fact that you could probably say you're doing it, uh, and your client will love you doing it. So I don't like playing on fun. Let's get you to an AC, because you know, AC, MSP, instead of that CF, MSP, so you can be on that next stage. Yeah, I think the most important
0: part was the, the story you told of transferring from the CF to the AC is, in a world where, let's face it, there's very hard to differentiate yourself from the other MSPs serving your local region and the other folks that you're working with. If you are that AMSP and you are helping them transform their business by coming with things that are above and beyond, look how many backups I backed up for you this quarter. Okay. It's like anyone can do that. You know, I'm pretty sure that a maybe a, a, very technical person who wasn't even IT at that company could do that without you, could figure out how to run backups properly uh, in today's day and age. And uh, to tie this back to a topic that we've talked about on the podcast before, which is uh, like cyber insurance and knowing what you are actually responsible for. I could see a world where if you are responsible for it and when a breach occurs, like we've transitioned from that, it not that if mentality to it's a when mentality do have that somewhere written in, hundreds of pages of the documentation you've signed with that client that says, yes, we will manage your shadow, your software for you and, and the applications on your devices. And you just fundamentally abdicate yourself of all
1: that responsibilities. That's going to come back to bite somebody somewhere. Well, there's another layer inside that cyber, cyber insurance story. You know, there's that box you have to check, which says I'm doing single sign-on. And if one of those apps are outside that single sign-on threshold, then you're putting yourself and your customer at risk with that cyber insurance. I mean, take the traveler's case where they rejected insurance because that user didn't actually have MFA. Well, what we can do or what SaaS management can do for an MSP is give you that list of main apps that need to be moved into that SSO threshold so that a customer is more protected and is at lower risk, but also is adhering to what they say on their cyber insurance questionnaire. So SSO and MFA are that next leg, like that's an advanced leg of SaaS management that you know we help but in general like getting visibility is probably the most important thing to get started and then you can kind of mature what you do with it from there i hadn't even thought about that is
0: once you've identified the software and the hardware and the accounts you can actually bring that into what you're already managing and you're probably doing really efficiently and effectively so hey employees are logging into these tools let's now add that to the uh, allow listed stuff inside of our microsoft mm-hmm. inside of microsoft unless and force SSO to log into those as opposed to saying, nope, you're not going to do this at all. It's all right, now we've made this secure and we'll
1: give it the thumbs up. We're okay with it. Yep, yeah. yeah. Being able to just see what apps are out there that don't have SSO. It uh, can be a whole... Mer- we've got a lot of partners coming in and just building a list and saying, we're going to work on these five apps this quarter, then these five. And they're protecting their customer and the customer is going to be stickier as a result. I really like that. I Again, it's just about constantly helping
0: your client and your companies transform. That's what it's all about. Um, if folks, if MSPs or if companies, anyone that's listening wanted to learn more either about you or about SaaS management in general, where would you recommend they go?
1: Yeah. So uh, if you want to meet me or have a conversation, I've spent, I've spent years and years studying SaaS management, almost obsessively. Uh, so if you ever want to chat about it, I'm always here to chat. Uh, catch me on LinkedIn, of course, John Harden. And then if you want to learn more about what SaaS management can mean for an MSP or for your internal business... Uh, go to Auvic.com and click size management at the top. Be happy to help you get uh, into the offer, try 14 days, see what's good for you. Awesome. That is auvik.com. And of course, we'll have links to not
0: only John on LinkedIn, but to AUVIC as well in the show notes. So if you're at all interested in that, I don't know, maybe you've been avoiding <laughs> yeah. figuring out what tools the companies that you work with are using because you know it's happening. I mean, listen, all, all of us are using software
1: that that like, uh, RIT folks aren't aware of because it's convenient. It's just convenient. But knowing is the battle. Even if you don't solve it, you need to know about it.
0: Yeah. If you don't know, you're on an airplane and you're not flying it. The second, yeah. you do know, you can decide where you'd like to pilot it. Hey, you can manage your risk. Yeah, manage your risk. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining, John. I uh, had a blast chatting with you. Bye. And uh, yeah, it's always always great talk with you. For everyone listening, thanks so much for joining in, and uh, we'll see you on the next episode of the podcast. Bye. Cheers. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to find out more about creating high-quality security awareness training campaigns that engage employees and change their habits, then check out FinSecurity at P-H-I-N-S-E-C or click the link in our show notes.
1: Thanks for fishing with me. See you next time.